Welcome to Unity of Tucson. This is Lynn. Lynn is my mother. <laughs> hey, yes, grateful to have you here to be one of our keepers of the flames this morning. I'm just taking this moment in. Um, I was mentioning before the, uh, when we were rehearsing this morning that that song, Nearer Than the Air, number one, it's one of my favorites. And uh, it's the first song I ever sang when I was a guest speaker here, so it'll always hold a real special place in my heart. Um, yeah. So I'm just taking in the moment. <laughs> so we do light the flames of faith uh, every single week, this ritual, this ceremony that we do to acknowledge the faith traditions of the world and understand that every religion, every spiritual ideology, all of it is rooted in one thing, and that is love. That we're understanding the golden thread of love that runs throughout all of spirituality and religion. And so for each candle that we light, let us understand that. So we light a candle for the Tao. The Tao is the ultimate reality, the way of ultimate reality, beyond the sensory perceptions, transcendent and reflected in the human experience. We light a candle for the shamanic traditions, focused not on worship, but rather on identification and participation in the whole, honoring reverently and passionately the earth and its intrinsic web of life. We light a candle for Hinduism, a path to the actualization of human potential through the union of the human spirit with the Brahman or God spirit. We light a candle for Judaism, passionate in the search for meaning, the meaning of God, the meaning in creation, the meaning in existence, the meaning in history, the meaning in morality, and the meaning in justice. We light a candle for all forms of Buddhism through the eightfold path of right views, right intent, right speech, right conduct, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration, one may rise above suffering. We light a candle for all forms of Christianity, a path of personal redemption through accepting the belief that Jesus Christ was the promised savior of humanity. We light a candle for all forms of Islam, a path of peace cultivated in life's total surrender to Allah and guided through the five pillars of Islam, the creed, constant prayer, almsgiving, fasting during the holy month of Ramadan and the pilgrimage to Mecca. We light a candle for the universalistic religion of Baha'i. The mission of Baha'u'llah was to reconcile and rally the major religions of the world around their common beliefs. We light a candle for all forms of new thought. New thought is neither church, cult, nor sect. It asks no allegiance to creeds, forms, or personalities. Standing for universal brotherhood and the right of each person to live their own life in accordance with the highest dictates of their own conscience. For where truth is, there must be reason. 
We light a candle for all those who are as yet unaware of the power and presence of spirit in their lives and for the space that we are holding for them and for all faith traditions unnamed in this ceremony. And this final candle we light is a candle which represents the healing of any circumstance that requires the revelation of divinity. For that is the true nature of healing, the uncovering of the God essence at the core of all creation, all experience. When we are in alignment with that light of truth, I believe we are healed. And so this is your candle for whatever is in your mind and in your heart that requires the light. The candle here on your left is our peace candle. We keep the peace candle consistently illuminated with the understanding that it is a representation of the consistent illumination of peace in our hearts. And as we accept that peace in our hearts, that peace becomes a core of our action, our thought, our intention, and we create a more peaceful experience of the world. So let's honor this candle together and this idea of peace together by reading together the prayer for world peace. Divine love indwells each person and radiates from one to another. Harmony is established and peace begins to reign in the world. Thank you. We have another special musical offering today in our featured music, and it is not me. <laughs> um, I reached out some time ago to one of my dear friends, a uh, person whom I met at a New Thought conference at the Asilomar grounds in the Monterey Peninsula. Gorgeous. If you ever get a chance to go there, it's absolutely stunning. Um, and the moment we met, we were instantly connected and became fast friends. Um, she is a brilliant New Thought musician. Uh, and, you know, she, uh, one of the things she does, actually, I want to tell you one of the things she does. So I spoke at the NoHo Arts Center for New Thought, gosh, probably eight or nine years ago now. And she happened to be the guest musician on the day that I was a guest speaker. And we walked in, we're like, oh, we're both here. And one of the things she, that, she'll do, that she'll do is when she's listening to the Sunday message, she will sit and write notes about the Sunday message. And then she will get up after the Sunday message, sit down at the piano, start doing a good beat on the piano, and uh, we'll do a rap. And wrap up, through rap, what was spoken about that day. This is a, she's a brilliant artist, a brilliant musician, and she has sent in this video for us to enjoy. Uh, please welcome Amy Steinberg.
That's Amy Steinberg. And just as soon as we are able to open things up and uh, we can make arrangements, I will certainly be delighted to have her join us uh, live and in person on a Sunday. Uh, that time is coming, I do know that. These are no longer the bricks on which my life is built. These are no longer the bricks on which my life is built. So that's where I wanted to start today. What are the bricks upon which your life has been built? What are the bricks upon which your life has been built? Are they those things like lack and worry and, and, and fear and anger? You know, those are real strong, uh, those are real strong motivators and, and, and things that come up through us, right? And we can very easily lay down a foundation of life based on all of those things. But you know what happens when we lay a foundation of those things? Well, we continue to strengthen that foundation and it becomes the constant expression of our life. So what are the bricks upon which your life has been built? We are not relegated to living in a house built on erroneous bricks of belief. And part of the work of spirituality is to open ourselves up to the capacity to recognize what those things are. Because they exist, you know, I'm not gonna deny. They exist. I have still probably some bricks in my foundation that are not so great. But I've been working on it, and I am free to turn it around. I'm free to allow myself to be filled with love and joy and light, and to let those be the foundation upon which my life is built. But those things that we establish in our minds as core beliefs, those things that we establish in our minds as core beliefs are the premise. They become the premise upon which all of our life unfolds. They can be changed. They can be changed. We are each and every one of us free to infinitely turn it around. The strength that it requires is not something that we glean from anything outside the self. The strength is found right here within each and every one of us. We are free to turn it around. This particular Sunday, I really wanted that song to be the core of the message. I really wanted that song to be the core of the message because today is Palm Sunday. And part of the way that I choose to interpret Palm Sunday from the metaphysical, metaphorical point of view is that it is reflective of our triumphant, our triumph. Now, it's written in the story of Jesus, right? His triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But it is about our triumphant entry into our own sense of remembering who we are, deepening into our connectedness with the Christ consciousness. So Palm Sunday, as I'm sure you know, is the Sunday before Easter in Scripture, it is expressed in all four of the Gospels. It is written that Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the crowds, they lay palm branches or palm fronds. Palm branches, I know that they're fronds. <laughs> they lay palm fronds out on the road and they lay their garments out on the road as Jesus is making his way into Jerusalem. 
So why palm fronds? Why palm fronds? Well, they, they symbolize peace. They symbolize eternal life. They symbolize victory. They symbolize strength. They symbolize strength. And so here, Jesus is on this donkey as he's riding into Jerusalem, donkey being those humble aspects of our beingness. That's what it represents. The donkey represents the humble aspects of our beingness. And so what is that within our own hearts that is making that triumphant entry into a greater understanding of our innate conscious divinity? In what way are we laying down those palm fronds in our lives to create that road essentially paved with strength? We have the opportunity to face in strength that which needs to be faced. We never need to be steamrolled by those things in our lives that are not in alignment with our highest good. Now, there was something that was misunderstood by those people that were laying down those palm fronds by the, 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 the hordes and the throngs of, of, of people in Jerusalem. What was misunderstood is as Jesus was riding into Jerusalem, they believed that Jesus would do something about the Roman occupation in Jerusalem. They believed that if they put their faith in something outside themselves, that they could eliminate the occupation of Rome. Now, this is reflective of the, ultimately the belief that we can put, we, we put our faith in something outside ourselves to address the occupation of fear or intolerance or, or negativity within our own hearts. It is not necessary, and that is never the way that we will ever rise above and turn it around. Now, Jesus was very clear that that misplaced faith was not the consciousness that he was moving forward with. Freedom, he understood, is an inside job. Freedom is an inside job. And that is the message. That is the message. It is born of remembering who we are. To be free, we must remember who we are. We must understand that our nature is divine. That there is absolutely no separation between God and me. As Meister Eckhart said, between God and me, there is no between. There is only God. I say it all the time. We must be able to step forward and, and exclaim for ourselves, I am God. I am that which is, just as everyone else is that which is. There is no separation. And here's the thing that happens. When we accept that for ourselves and understand it to be the truth of all creation, then there can be no hierarchy. There can only be equity. It eliminates the isms. It eliminates the phobias. Because how can I hate or fear that which I am? In the story of this Holy Week, Jesus says to the crowds, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. What do you think that means? What does it mean 
the one who sent me. Well, ultimately, if we believe in a law of attraction, which we teach a law of attraction, then the one who sent for this perception of a savior is each and every one of us. There is that within each and every one of us that is drawing into our expression and experience the, the savior that addresses the erroneous beliefs, which are the only things that we ever need to be saved from. What we see in others is a reflection of us. He says, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. As we look upon, we see a reflection of ourselves in everything we look upon. There's another thing that he says there. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Now, language. Language is a tough thing. Especially translations. Uh, you know, because translations can be misleading. And let's face it, translations of Scripture have been utilized specifically for a purpose of control. And so I look at the language that is here, and I choose to interpret it in a perhaps slightly different way. Because it could very, it, we could very easily say, I have come into the world as a light so that, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. That would seem to set up a hierarchy. But what if we understood the me in that to mean the mental equivalent? The mental equivalent, now I have to explain to you, mental equivalent is a little bit of a new thought jargon term, right? The mental equivalent is the ideas that we carry in mind. And all those thoughts, those beliefs, those feelings, those things that we carry in mind are the equivalent to what we are experiencing in the world of form. So the mental equivalent is a spiritual, what, I, what Thomas Trower called a spiritual prototype because everything is created twice. It is first created in mind and then it is created in form. So we are each and every one of us moving forward with mental equivalents which show up as the construct of our life. So... If our mental equivalent is a mental equivalent of light, then we eliminate the darkness in our lives because how can we experience anything that is not the mental equivalent of light when that is our core belief, a premise upon which our entire life is expressed and experienced. So through our mental equivalent, we can be lifted, lifted to the light. We can be freed within ourselves by paving that road with strength, by metaphorically laying out the palm fronds before us and knowing who we are, remembering who we are. Because ultimately, the story of this Palm Sunday leading up to next week, which is Easter, I mean, the story of the entire gospel is rooted in understanding that it is the liberation of the mind that saves. It is the liberation of the mind that saves. There is nothing out there that we need to be saved from. The only thing that we need to be saved from is that which is within our mind and our heart that is not in alignment with the most constructive life we can live. The Savior is not something or someone outside the self, the Savior is a consciousness, a conscious idea that we accept within ourselves. The Savior is our innate capacity to turn our mental equivalent around, to break down the bricks and rebuild a beautiful city. 
we can build a beautiful city. And not a city of angels. It's very, very, that's an important lyric in that very first song I sang today. Not a city of angels, a city of man. With the understanding that man is divine. There is no separation. And so as we engage and build that city within our hearts and within our minds, within our souls, we create a greater construct of living. We are free. We are free. We are free. And now there may be distractions on this path. One of the things I love in this song is when she says, I've been distracted. Shiny thing, shiny thing. (laughs) Such a great moment. Shiny thing, right? How many of us have ever experienced those shiny things in life? (laughs) All the time. But the spiritual work that we do is the thing that helps us recognize that those shiny things may be out there, but our relationship to them is the thing that we need to address. It helps us stay in the path of the constructive because those distractions perhaps will lead us into the destructive. Um, This week, so this week as I was sitting for my panels. You know, I had to sit for three 45-minute interviews, which is the final step after going through all of the coursework, um, the classwork that I had to do with Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute, go through all of the coursework, and it's all in agreement between Centers for Spiritual Living and the Unity Church uh, for, U- for CSL ministers to serve in Unity pulpits, and it is, it's actually really lovely that at the, uh, at the culmination of it, the idea is that we become ordained. But it is a lot of work. And I will tell you, those three 45-minute interviews, the first one was on Monday. And I think, well, Laura, we met on Tuesday, right? And I said, oh, I felt really good about that interview, right? Oh, yes. Everything seemed to be going well. Well, then I get to Wednesday, and I have two back-to-back interviews, two 45-minute interviews. And I walked away from those interviews feeling less than enthusiastic. I walked away from those interviews with this notion of what if? What if this doesn't go the way that I think it's going to go? What would that mean? What would that mean to my identity? What would that that mean to the work I have put in? What would that mean? Well, I'm free to turn it around. You know, confidence. I, I, I walked away with not feeling very confident in how it had unfolded. Now, you know, the, the, the thing that I could do is get mired in the challenge of that lack of confidence about how it turned out. I could get into all of the nitty-gritty details of all the things that I thought in my estimation went wrong. How many of us do that? Right? We, look, we, we have experiences in our lives that don't feel so good, and we start beating ourselves up about all of the things that went wrong in the experience of it. Well, here's a way that we can turn it around. Because what I have discovered in my own heart is this. It was not a loss. It was not something I shouldn't feel confident about. It was an opportunity for me to be illuminated into that which is still accessible 
for me to learn and know. And in that, I get to continue to grow. And what a great feeling that is. What a great feeling that is. So all of this, all of this is really talking about the ways in which we bind ourselves. We put ourselves in bondage. Which then brings me to another thing that is being celebrated this weekend. It started last night, and that's Passover. In the Jewish tradition, I love Passover. I, you know, I love going to, I, I love it when I'm invited to a Seder, Passover Seder. It's, it's, it's a joy, and I've always experienced magnificence at, uh, at Seder's. That's beside the point. <laughs> I mean, I just wanted to say that. It is beside the point in terms of what I'm talking about today. But metaphysics, here's what I, here's what I want to say. Metaphysically, Passover is the development of a mental attitude of bridging from one state of consciousness, the consciousness of the limited, the idea of bondage, to another state of consciousness, opening up to the innate sense and understanding of our freedom. That's what Passover, that's the metaphysical understanding of Passover. It's what it's all about. Moving from a belief in the supremacy of the relative world to a belief in the supremacy of the inherent divinity within each and every one of us. Again, it's remembering who you are. If there is any message around Passover and Palm Sunday and Holy Week and all of these things that are, you know, coming together, and, you know, they're always... In alignment. I mean, the Last Supper was essentially a uh, Passover Seder. I'll probably be talking about the Last Supper next week. But it's all with, it, it is all metaphor and metaphysical interpretation to understand and know who we are at our core. Walking the road paved with strength, rooted in the consciousness of the divine, is how we turn it around and transcend bondage. Now, a lot of philosophy today. How do we do it practically? How do we do this practically? Well, <laughs> practice, <laughs> practice, practice. Practice makes progress. That's how we turn it around. We practice every single day. We practice in every single moment. We practice letting ourselves off the hook for the ways in which we think we have defeated ourselves. We let ourselves off the hook. The past no longer exists. Release the grip of the past and choose in this moment here and now to see rightly to see rightly, whatever that means to you, because what is right for me may not be right for you. One of my favorite uh, passages from Scripture is this, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. This is about how we choose to see and experience the world. It is not literally about the healthy eye. It is about how we choose to see and experience the world. Are we seeing from a healthy perspective or are we seeing from an unhealthy perspective? I choose to see the light. 
How about you? I choose to see the good. How about you? I choose to see the upliftment of humanity. How about you? Because it's very easy to look at the surface of all the things that are going on. And as I think about all the things that are going on, and I don't want to get mired in this, but there is another shooting today, the third in two weeks. I could look at that And if I look upon that with a consciousness that is unhealthy, that is seeing without a healthy eye. How do we choose to turn it around in our own mind to find the strength that is required to make change in this world? I choose to see the light, not just on the surface, but the light inherent in all circumstances. I choose to go deeper. I choose to go deeper. I don't want to be ever caught in bypass. I don't ever want to be caught in, it's all God and it's all good without it actually meaning something to me. To see the light is to reveal the divine essence. And that's healing. That healing candle is one of the most important metaphors that I choose to carry with me in my ministry. That at any moment, I can turn on, I can light that candle with the understanding that it is reflective of an illumination of the divine essence at the core of my being, at the core of all experience and expression. That's why I always say, this is for whatever is in your mind and in your heart that requires the light. That's healing. That's being free to turn it around. That is walking a road paved with strength. Namaste. Hi, this is Rev. Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.